It was Bingley who broke the silence. Some more music, if you please, Miss Georgiana, if you are not too tired. But please finish your tea first. We must not impose on your kindness. What about those Irish folk songs which you played when we dined here last summer? Georgiana returned to the pianoforte, with Alveson standing, turning the pages. And for a time the lively tunes had their effect. Then, when the music ended, they made desultory conversation, exchanging views which had been expressed many times before, and family news, none of which was new. After half an hour, Georgiana made the first move, said her good nights, and after she had pulled the bell rope to summon her maid, Alveston lit and handed her a candle and escorted her to the door. After she had left, it seemed to Elizabeth that the rest of the party were all tired and lacked the energy actually to get up and say their good nights. It was Jane who made the next move and, looking at her husband, murmured that it was time for bed. Elizabeth, grateful, soon followed her example. A footman was summoned to bring in and light the night candles. Those on the pianoforte were blown out and they were making their way to the door when Darcy, who was standing by the window, gave a sudden exclamation. My God, what does that fool of a coachman think he's doing? He'll have the whole chaise over. This is madness. And who on earth are they? Elizabeth, is anyone else expected tonight? No one. Elizabeth and the rest of the company crowded to the window and there in the distance saw a chaise lurching and swaying down the woodland and towards the house, its two lights blazing like small flames. Imagination provided what was too distant to be seen, the manes of the horses tossed by the wind, their wild eyes and straining shoulders, the postillion heaving at the reins. It was too distant for the wheels to be heard. It seemed to Elizabeth that she was seeing a spectral coach of legend flying soundlessly through the moonlit night, the dreaded harbinger of death. Darcy said, Bingley, stay here with the ladies and I'll see what this is about. But his words were lost in a renewed howling of the wind in the chimney and they followed him out of the music room, down the main staircase and into the hall. Stoughton and Mrs Reynolds were already there. At a gesture from Darcy, Stoughton opened the door. The wind rushed in immediately, a cold, irresistible force, seeming to take possession of the whole house, extinguishing in one blow all the candles except those in the high candelabra. The coach was still coming at speed, rocking round the corner at the end of the woodland road to approach the house. Elizabeth thought that it would surely rattle past the door, but now she could hear the shouts of the coachman and see him struggling with the reins. The horses were pulled to a halt and stood there, restless and neighing. Immediately and before he could dismount, the coach door was opened and in the shaft of light from Pemberley, they saw a woman almost falling out and shrieking into the wind, with her hat hanging by its ribbons round her neck and her loose hair blowing around her face. She seemed like some wild creature of the night or a mad woman escaped from captivity. For a moment Elizabeth stood rooted, incapable of action or thought. And then she recognised that this wild shrieking apparition was Lydia and ran forward to help. 
but Lydia pushed her aside and, still screaming, thrust herself into Jane's arms, nearly toppling her. Bingley stepped forward to assist his wife, and together they half carried Lydia to the door. She was still howling and struggling, as if unaware of who was supporting her, but once inside, protected from the wind, they could hear her harsh, broken words. Wickham's dead! Denny has shot him! Why don't you find him? They're up there in the woodland. Why don't you do something? Oh God, I know he's dead. And then the sobs became moans and she slumped in Jane's and Bingley's arms as together they urged her gently towards the nearest chair.